Welcome, race fans. This is Debris and Turn 3, the one and only NASCAR FanCast and Fantasy Racing League straight out of Brooklyn, New York City. We've been gone for two weeks and a lot has happened. The 2020 NASCAR schedule was released and that's bringing some big changes to the sport. And one of Cup Racing's icons is moving on as Darrell Waltrip, old DW, is retiring from the Fox television team when they wrap up their broadcast season after the race in Sonoma, California. Baseball is also back in New York, so it's a new season and a new hope for the Metropolitans to maybe get out there, win a World Series. Uh, and for Yankee fans, well, they haven't seen their team stretch their uh, juggernaut might like they usually do each and every year. So it was a little early in the season for them to start watching, especially if anybody should be tuning into the New York Islanders taking on the Penguins in a huge round one playoff matchup that's happening right now as we speak, Dan. From Nassau Coliseum, the yeah, old barn. The old barn. And uh, I think we uh, have a lead and maybe another goal right now. Wait, no. That was an interesting <laughs> <Those> play. <highlights>. Hate <laughs> when that happens. And the Jets try to steal a little spotlight when they release their new uniforms for next season, which I know you're a huge fan of. You love them. I, I love the Jets. These uniforms are the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Actually, you know what? It's been a few days, like a week or so. They're sort of growing on me, but my initial yeah, reaction just, was these you know, kind of terrible. Look exactly like the uh, Eagles. But anyway, <laughs> on today's show, we're talking about the Food City 500 from Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, for all of the fans, I'm sure, tuning into the podcast because, I mean, there really weren't too many in attendance at the race. Uh, yeah. the, the great last great Coliseum started to almost resemble the old ruins of the Roman Coliseum. <laughs> it was uh, quite a sight so we're not used to seeing over at Bristol, especially growing up in the 90s with all the great races there. Uh, but we did see a good one this weekend. We'll get into that. We'll discuss the results from the Debris in Turn 3 Fantasy League, the Champions League called the Waiver Rounders. We'll get into some news and also look ahead to the rest of the short track wrap-up in Richmond. And if you aren't already, make sure to follow us uh, at Debris in Turn 3 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep up with the show and the Fantasy League. You can also find us on DebrisInTurn3.com. And this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, which is our host site, and wherever you're listening to us right now. I feel like I'm saying the same thing every week, but please go review us. We want to know how well we're doing or not. You decide. I could take it, but please rate and review. It goes a long way to getting some more people listening to the show and maybe just more people playing in the fantasy game, which we all want. Yes. Now, before we get into the winner's circle... I just want to correct some inaccuracies from our last show a couple of weeks ago uh, for those people that did listen. Um, and also, if you want to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, first, we said that the Modified Tour race that was from Myrtle Beach, we said that was on a Friday night when actually it was on a Saturday night. And second, we said that Cole Custer sat in for Austin Dillon during the Xfinity race at Fontana, which was false. Cole Custer won in the double zero. He was supposed to fill in for Austin Dillon during the cup race uh, because of flu-like symptoms. And as we know, Austin did wind up running that cup race. I blame all these inaccuracies on our horrible intern who has since been let go. And in the future, if you ever hear any incorrect information on the show, just know it's through no fault of our own, but our terrible interns. Right. So I can't believe we're giving away college credit on this podcast. <laughs> I, did, I thought it was just free, like no, no just to uh, hang out with us. Yeah, <laughs> aren't they lucky? Yeah, you can't, can't even keep the, uh, the abreast of what's going on in the hockey game over there. I can't see the screen. Yeah, you got some bookshelves blocking you. All right, so with that, with that out of the way, let's get on with the show. 
This week in the Winter Circle, uh, we had the icebreaker from Thompson Speedway. Justin Bonsignor got the win in the Modifieds. In the KNNE series, they were at Bristol Motor Speedway, and 15-year-old Sam Mayer got the win. In Xfinity, Christopher Bell. Uh, and in the Cup series, Kyle Busch got his 54th Cup win, tying Lee Petty. Wow. Kyle Busch just keeps winning. It's incredible. In IndyCar, Takuma Sato got a popular win from Barber. And people love him. This guy's going to be a Disney character coming up. I just saw on Instagram. In the uh, World Superbike Series, Alvaro Batista won again from Aragon, sweeping the weekend. He, nobody can touch his Ducati right now. And in the Debris in Turn 3 Fantasy League, Bristol won. <laughs> At Bristol. At Bristol. Very apropos. Ironic. Yeah. Ooh. Is it, is it apropos to use apropos? I think so. I like that commercial. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, it's very creative with the name there. Just You must love Bristol. Yeah. And uh, great that he got the big win at Bristol. And uh, we saw, uh, oh, Juju B Racing, one of our waiver rounders, moved into the lead, overall points lead. So we've got a, a, a change at the top of the standings, and he's yet to win a race this year, but I got a text message from the Juju B team and saying that they are looking at big picture racing this year. So, All right. I got second place this week. It was act remarkable. Yeah. I have not seen the high, wide, and handsome team up in the top part of the uh, standings in quite a bit. Yeah, I might be going on a run. I, I hope you're going a on a run somewhere. Because it's not happening in the wave arounders <laughs> where you finished in last place again. Yeah. I run in the park. <laughs> you run in the park. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, and but however, FNK Racing won again four of eight this season and has a pretty sizable playoff point lead already. And with two races remaining and a double points race at Dega. The rest of the teams need to do something and try to jump up there and steal the segment win. It looks like my team, Mythos Motorsports, and our past champion, Six Seconds Faster, probably have the best shot at doing that. But with the pools resetting at this weekend, I know that FNK is probably looking to take home this segment championship because... That would be uh, potentially up to as much as I could calculate. Let me see, uh, 13 playoff points just to start already this first part. So we are in trouble. But you too, all you listeners, could also be a part of the Rave Arounders League at one point or another. Uh, you know, it does say in the official Wave Arounders rules that you must be a champion of the debris and turn three league and you yes. do that by joining the league at fantracks.com contacting the show at debris and turn three.com you know also there is a little caveat in the rules that say you just need to be really cool <laughs> like frank who we let into the league <laughs> so listen if uh for all participants participants the wave arounders is our champions league we run it on the side and um yeah, that about does it. It'll wrap up in the winner's circle and in uh, fantasy racing land here. So uh, why don't we move on and start talking about the short track race from Bristol. And to start off our race discussion, we have our bonehead move of the week. Idiot. You idiot. You're an idiot. You idiot. Which goes to Eric Almarola. Uh, for taking his car behind the wall, not realizing that that took him out of contention for the day. Yeah, it, we were able to award this one pretty much right off the bat because <laughs> the action, it was a chaotic start to the race. Yeah. Uh, with, with Kevin Harvick, you know, dipping down, having to pit and serve a penalty. And then William Byron just gets a little loose right off the bat. His car didn't link up in that grip strip. They say it takes a few laps for the heat to get that thing going. And he just made contact with Almirola, who was on his outside. He hit the wall. That stacked up the field, and we saw a lot of cars spinning. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. made some really— Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Did I call him Ricky Stenhouse? No, I'm, I corrected you. What did I say? You said Ricky Stenhouse, so I said Ricky Stenhouse. Oh. 
I'm sorry. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, did I say so? Because I, I just caught myself actually kind of glaring at the Islander game, just coming back into the second period now. Yeah. And then I said, and I was like, well, what did I say? <laughs> did, I, did I say something? Um, he, he really crushed in the front of his car. Yeah. That took it. That wreck pretty much just set my tone, uh, set the tone for my fantasy day. Cause I chose Stenhouse mm. and he got it to Kyle Busch, who spun around, and then Ryan Priest, who I thought would be able to get a little short track magic. He has an Xfinity win there. He made some contact in the rear of Kyle Busch's car, and then he, he also had some contact with the 36 or something, right? Which cut that the in the uh, ensuing rear. green flag when they got back to racing. Matt Tift, who I, I'm just not a fan of, of Matt Tift. Uh, and I mean, he's a rookie. We'll see some more, but they made some contact and. That put uh, that cut the left rear tire. He spun, and then that made Corey LaJoy get into the back of the leader who was coming up on him, which was Chase Elliott. So you know the, the, the crowd that was there probably lost their mind seeing the number nine. Yeah. Somehow or another, the 34 did not get into the 47. The nine did not get into the inside wall. And everyone I think he touched it, like, ever, barely. Ever so slightly. Like, ever slightly, yeah. But... Man, it was just a real chaotic start to the beginning of the race, and I was just I was taking a big hit in fantasy right <laughs> off the bat, and my Mythos Motorsports team did not recover. <laughs> I, I forget actually where I finished. Uh, <laughs> I don't have it pulled up. I, but yeah, I got my phone reset, so I, I'm like not logged in on my phone right now. I can't see the results here. Yeah. I got to do the whole f forget my password thing. Oof. I'm like I, I said, I, I signed up for Fantrax. I realized ages ago uh, to, to just try to set, figure it out, and then mm -hmm. you know now fast forward a season or two, and here we are bringing the debris in turn three league there, and um, I thought it was a fun race to watch. I watched it again out on Sunday, mm -hmm. and all this excitement happened early on, and then we were going out, and but I, by the time I sat down with a nice frosty beer. <laughs> I, I, I'm watching this cool racing, but now I, I'm like, ooh, who's Harvick's four laps down? Like, right. you're, you're not following, you're not getting so much of that. Yeah. I was out on Sunday for a friend's birthday, so I did not watch the race live. Um, I watched like the 15 minute recap on YouTube, and then I went back and I was watching the full race because now they do that. Um, it's usually two days after the race, like on a Tuesday afternoon, they put the full race on, like the lot, the whole, like, uh, live feed which is great so if i don't if i you know like i miss a race on a weekend you know i don't have to wait like a week or something for them to post it it's up there in like a couple of days so i was going back and watching the race and yeah besides the uh the excitement from the beginning uh, i really didn't think that this was that great of a bristol race and i feel like even the last couple of years it just hasn't been i mean yes uh you know there's a lot of carnage because these guys you know they're on a half mile and they're going so fast, so there's a lot of rubbing. Um, but it's just like, I don't know, The ever since they tried to repave and put the progressive branking in and then take it out, it's just these guys are going so fast on this track that it's just so easy for them to just ride around the top the whole, the whole race. Well, they got the grip strip working this year to where there was finally some guys being able to use it. Joey Logano being one of them, Clint Boyer, <clears throat> a, a few other guys here and there throughout the race. You were able to go down there certainly to get by lap traffic, uh, but it was still difficult to pass at times. I'd like the two grooves at Bristol though. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say because Bristol is classic. I mean, do, are you not a fan of this new Bristol versus old Bristol? Do you wish it's I, something they should have never have touched or changed? I mean, I always liked Bristol growing up, um, you know, watching the races and also like playing the video games and stuff. You know, Bristol was always one of my favorite tracks. Um, but I don't know, for some reason, something in the last 10 years, you know, with whatever they've done to the track is just not produce good racing. And I don't even I don't know if they need to tear it up and repave it with concrete again or change it up again and go back to asphalt. Um, yeah, I don't really asphalt at Bristol. I think it would. I think that would work. It I would, think it would be cool. Well, asphalt certainly reacts so much differently to the weather and the cars react so much differently. We've seen tracks go through so many different changes. It's like I'm open. I also just I just don't think that it's such terrible racing at Bristol. I like a two groove Bristol. 
But that's if it is two grooves. There is only two grooves because they have that grip strip. Do you think track should be putting, like manipulating the surface, if even if it means better racing? I think so. Yeah, because especially when you see, like a track like Texas that was repaved a couple of years ago, uh, they needed to do something to make that bottom groove work, and you know, because they tried to artificially right. age it and like do all the stuff like. If, if it comes down to having to use this grip stuff, like, yeah, by all means, do it. Okay. Because I I don't dis necessarily dislike Bristol the way it is now because I like the idea of being able to go high, go low. And there was some great racing, in my opinion, between Joey Logano and uh, Ryan Blaney in the final stage of the race. Mm -hmm. uh, Blaney, who had some good long run speed, was using the high groove, uh, but the car started to go away a little bit. You know, like just like, things happen in the race. Uh, it's the cars, you know, you're, uh, 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 you know, sometimes you're a, a change or an adjustment away uh, you're, you go the wrong way and his car just wasn't quite as quick as it was. And he was still holding off Logano who just couldn't kind of hook the bottom. We saw Clint Boyer then roll up into the battle. And when he couldn't get around the tail end of the lead lap car being William Byron at the time, Joey Logano was finally able to make the pass and it, it, he had to really commit to the bottom and it was hard, but I, I like that there's options there. And when they were racing through traffic, it's, you know, they were going high around them and then they're cutting down and going low and there's three wide racing. I mean, as much as I loved Bristol way back when I was growing up also, I'll never forget watching Dale Earnhardt and Terry Labonte in a hot summer night in Florida uh, it, it, I mean, that was just classic NASCAR stuff for me. Uh, but we, I don't know. I, I like, I, I like that they made some changes to the track, but it's just, it's not that racing. I, yeah. that, that, and it's not the same Bristol and it's definitely not because we saw that with the way the crowd was there. It was yeah. real sparse. Like I was going to say the, the battle between Boyer and Ty Dillon at the end of the first stage, like. That, that was pretty exciting. That was some good side-by-side -side racing. But I'm clearly part of the majority who, I guess, doesn't like Bristol anymore because, as you alluded to just now and at the beginning of the show, there was barely anyone in the stands. They clearly only sold the front stretch and the back stretch. And, I mean, the entire turns, the stands and the turns were empty. And I don't know if it's because... People don't like the style of racing at Bristol anymore or where it falls in the schedule. It's kind of been they they already moved it back, you know, because of weather. And it's, right. they're still having those weather issues. So, right. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Maybe those uh, Tennessee mountains in April is a, a tough time for, for a race. Uh, but I, I still think the racing is good there. And I like that that the fast half mile there side by side you could go high you can go low chasing each other through the traffic uh and then th there to me there were a lot of compelling storylines throughout this particular race and some that have held over from previous races for instance uh we're looking at the, the kyle bush take his third win of the season now Mm -hmm. And we also have Denny Hamlin with two wins, Brad Keselowski with two, hin two wins, and Joey Logano with one. So all veteran drivers. We're waiting for these young drivers. We're certainly looking at Kyle Larson. He has the, the most success of this younger group of, of guys. But he's having a real tough season, and it continued this week. And... That was just to me. It was just it, watching him struggle throughout the race was uh, an interesting part of the race. Watching Kevin Harvick go four laps down and try to get back on the lead lap that was, I thought, a pretty interesting part of the race. Seeing guys like Chris Busher get up into the top ten, also Matt De Benedetto, uh, Ty Dillon, of course, he stayed out with uh, Clint Boyer at the end of the first stage. And I could not believe that he, Clint Boyer let himself get beat uh, at that point. And I could not believe again at the end of the second stage that Clint Boyer was getting uh, kind of beat at the end, uh, beat up at the end of there. Also, uh, I just thought that there were some really good things to take away from this race. And also, Kyle Busch 
winning this race. Right. Having been involved in that first wreck getting spun out, the fact that he could come back from that, you know, made it a a pretty, I mean, he was kind of, it wasn't really in it most of the race. It wasn't until like that last uh, restart Right, uh, where he kind of, you know, he he just pulled away to, there at the end yeah. of the last fourteen laps. But I, it was a real gutsy call. I mean, I guess that when you have two wins, you could do that. You say, "Hey, let's stay out," and he also Kurt Busch stays out because, I mean, also what a season he has. He was like the only shining light of my fantasy team. He started way back in the field, and then to come home in second. He's finished in the top twelve. I heard today in all but one of the races so far this season. He's been the highest finishing Chevy so far. And he's making the most out of his time at the number one team. And I think it's been cool to watch him in the one versus his teammate in the 42, which, you know, it's a discussion for another day and another show. But I would like to see some more in setup as we kind of talk about progressing and changes in NASCAR. They got to do something with the, uh, I think, teammate competitiveness, competitiveness yeah. and the owner points. And like similar to the constructor points in F1, how those are more compelling. I would like to see something like that in NASCAR. And it was a gutsy call at the end of the race, staying out. And I was a little shocked with that that much, uh, with that many laps left in the race, seeing Joey Logano and the Penske guys come in and pit there. I, I know we're so used to seeing tires matter on short tracks, but I heard something a couple of weeks ago at Martinsville that one of the engineers said that the tires could have lasted something like 300 laps or maybe even a thousand laps. I, I, I'm forgetting right, the number. That was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, right. The left side tires were so yeah. good, the, 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 the tire wear. So, I mean, I would have taken the gamble at that point. And like you said, if you're just quick on the outside, you can just you can hold the guy off. And yeah. Kyle Busch did. And I, and I just the the competition level in NASCAR. I'm like, how did you let Kyle Busch steal a win from you guys there? Right. Especially when, uh, as we said, the Penske guys have been strong all season so far. And I just saw the other day that Ryan Blaney uh, is the driver with the most laps led without a win. So in 2019 so far. So, I mean, when you're talking about storylines, like, uh, you got one right there. I think that's a, a pretty good storyline because I like Blaney. I think he's a good driver, and he's one of these guys that we're looking at to really you know, carry the torch into this next era of racing. But he's got two wins, so he, you got to get the victory lane more to get more fans. Right. So. Maybe, uh, maybe the 22 and the two team need to share a little more information with him well, or something I, to, you, to get him that win. He's Blaney's looked fast. Do you think it's that, or do you think it's just uh, experience closing out the races? I mean, look at Kevin Harvick. He was four laps down, and he got back onto the lead lap in that last yellow flag right at the end and you know, salvaged a decent day. It could have been uh, horrendous for him. Right. And he didn't pull his car behind the wall like Eric Almarola did. <laughs> you know, like his teammate took himself right out of the race. Yeah. Maybe I'll just have to watch a little bit more of it, you know, after the show. And well, just... sometimes I, I, with NASCAR, when people want to talk about whether or not it was a good race, bad race, I just feel like right now you can't really get the experience from watching it just kind of scanning through on a recap or on DVR and like going to the race back in the day and getting the program and getting the scanner numbers. And I remember the first time I got the race view at a, at Daytona, that was amazing to get some lap times. And, but now when I'm sitting at home and I'm going to tune into a race, like I, I, the, I've been this nice out now in the springtime here in Brooklyn. So I've been going out and I'm lucky that there's even this nice bar near me where I could bring my dog and she doesn't mind me asking to put on the NASCAR race. Cause I should, I get a couple of looks, people come on come in and they're like, Oh, like racing's on. But I love it here in Brooklyn because people, they have a problem with that. But like, no, let's keep a TNT on silent with the captions on just playing at a bar really okay we're putting on bristol right now all right yeah. it's way more exciting than uh i don't know this what whatever harry potter this must be playing right now right <laughs> and as we were saying that the the stands were empty uh we've seen a lot of tracks taking down portions of the grandstands and putting in these uh, like party decks and stuff so i think the the tracks need to realize that people don't just want to buy a ticket to a race and sit in the hot sun for three hours 
watching cars go in a circle. They want that experience. They need more things to do at the track. So if that means taking out grandstands and putting in a, a standing room only place with a bar with more TVs so you can watch, you know, a little bit more of what's going on, you know, yeah. like all those things are great. I mean, sometimes when I go to City Field to watch a Mets game, I, I spend Man, 25% Go out to Shake Shack and watch the game on the big screen yeah. up there. Right? Stand in the back, walk yeah. around, get a drink over here. And it's just, I don't know, it's just part of the, the sporting experience now. Uh, I, I mean, I can remember carrying the cooler International <laughs> Speedway Boulevard <laughs> and going to the race with sandwiches and, and, you know, all that type of stuff and, you know, spending the whole weekend down at the races. But that's the thing. I may, maybe NASCAR doesn't want to maybe steal away anything from the local economies, but if people are having a hard time getting, because the ticket prices are not the problem anymore, and if people are having a hard time get, getting hotel rooms, uh, maybe NASCAR has to find a way to get something that like get people like stay at hotels, you know, in and around the track, or something like that. I I, I don't know, right? But uh, it's they definitely had to do something to try to raise the, uh, to get the racing experience for the fans. Uh, but I, I also I can't. <laughs> I can't blame the people that don't want to go because I can tune in and get in-car cameras on NASCAR drive. I can, I have the race view mobile where I get the GPS. I get timing. I get scanning. Uh, I get everything at right at my fingertips over here. And also NASCAR of the nineties, what we always compare it to, uh, it, it did not have Netflix and smartphones to contend with and all these other things that are just vying for, our attention like season two of the oa <laughs> which i'm on episode two this season is like so much crazier than the first <laughs> season it's like taking me a while to get into it i'm like laying in bed at one in the morning going okay that's it last episode <laughs> no one more <laughs> all right uh let's get on to some news all right as we said at the top of the show DW is retiring after uh, Fox has their run. Um, they finish up at Sonoma. So we won't be hearing any more boogity, boogity, boogity. I don't know if I'll miss the boogity, 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 but I'll miss DW in the booth. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, you know, the last couple of seasons, he, you know, him and Jeff Gordon have be. kind of, kind of butting heads, but I always did like DW because he was kind of just like that wacky, like old timer in the up in the booth that was yeah. just like cracking jokes and everything. And it was at times like a little too wacky, yeah. and I think it was a little bit of the uh, the the commentary on the wackiness in that article, AP article by Jenna Fryer that's been gotten a lot of talk lately uh, that maybe pushed this announcement. Uh, but she was on door bumper clears podcast and she went through it and she even said that she spoke to Fox prior to writing this article saying, Hey, I want to write an article about the booth mm -hmm. because we've, how many times have we've talked about the broadcast? I think the broadcast is open to criticism. I think the criticism that she got from NASCAR fans was a little unfounded yeah. because I think she did exactly what a lot of NASCAR fans have asked of NASCAR reporters in the recent past was to be critical in NASCAR and not just do NASCAR's bidding as everyone seems to think that a lot of the media does. But when they are, have Fox, NBC, Sirius, NASCAR.com media partners, you are, everyone's on the payroll. So you're, you're right. going to always just kind of be a yeah. little generous about what you say. Right. And it's been 19 years. I mean, he, you know, his first call was the 2001 Daytona 500. Iconic that was a very race. emotional, yeah. uh, you know, call for him. Changed everything. Um, you know, but like I said, it's been 19 years. The, the format of their broadcast is just very tired. It's yes. really pretty much unchanged for the last 19 years. Um, and I think NBC just does so much better of a job. We were talking earlier off the air about Larry Mack, the most knowledgeable guy in the at garage. Fox, right. And he's not even at the track. He's in some studio with no windows and just looking a really at cool studio. 50, I mean, yeah, he's got like 50 screens in front of him, <laughs> but like he should be like, like we said, he should be in a, a pit box the way that like Steve Latart is and everything. Right. Uh, and I think with, NBC's coverage, they just, I think more so than one writer's article, I think their product that they were producing for the races, I think that has what put the spotlight on Fox's 
shortcomings in their yeah. broadcast. And I'll miss DW. I, I might be a little over some of his antics, and I could cringe sometimes. And I, I was really hoping he'd throw a, a, a better green flag at Bristol, but I was happy to see him get the honor. But, I mean, Fox, you couldn't wire him up with a wireless mic. You made him have to hold his microphone and wave the flag at the same time. Yeah. But I'll miss DW being that link to the old time racing because right. I still like hearing names like Lee Petty get brought up during a race and David Pearson and um, Kale Yarbrough, Bobby but I think Allison. We, we'll still have Mike Joy, I'm assuming. And I don't know who they're going to bring into the booth. You know, I'm assuming they're going to have a three man booth still, but Mike Joy is still, I think is that link to the past as well. I agree we with need, that. You know, Mike, Mike Joy is certainly the, I probably say I think I might have said it on the show before. The most knowledgeable guy in the NASCAR broadcasting right now. Yeah, uh, I think on both networks. Well, he brings that that nostalgia kind of factor to the race. You know, like he's a Northeast guy. He just knows a lot about the history of racing. He'll yes. bring up stuff. You know, he'll bring up some like modified. Uh, you know, <laughs> that might be why like, I like it nowhere. so much, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like cool to like hear him like you know, talk about. And uh, I cannot things. believe for a guy from a, a Northeast broadcaster, a guy that has that shares that same affinity uh, for the racing uh, as a, and also as a guy like the old Chris Economaki. You don't remember Chris Economaki? Uh, no. uh, wow. Dan, uh, old famed NASCAR journalist. If you saw his face, you would remember him from your childhood and old racing broadcast, but he did an iconic pit walk in my mind i'll never forget starting off the nascar season the winston cup season at the bush class and he'd walk down pit lane and give this story of a, and the new colors and here's jeff bodine starting back here well, whatever yeah. and then i just watch michael waltrip just that his grid grid walk is cringeworthy yeah. It it makes me nervous watching him. I'm I don't like, even watch the pre race stuff. Down, <laughs> like where where are you running to? Right. And if if Fox wants you to do this, can they give him more than forty five seconds? He's like out of breath. We're here, Martin <laughs> Truex Jr. It's it's gonna be a great race. Okay, okay. We're, we're, William Byron, <laughs> William Byron. It's just calm down. Yeah. Why don't you just go see him and maybe just pick up an angle of something that we might. You know, be something that we could think about uh, what this driver and team are trying to overcome as this race starts right. instead of just maybe we need to get rid of both Walter brothers. I mean, that's maybe that's just the answer to Fox's uh, problems. People love Michael Waltrip. Right? I mean, I like him, but he, I mean, he's even wackier than uh, DW, which you know, I, I, be. I'm t I have no problems with Michael Waltrip broadcasting truck or Xfinity races. I don't know who is the answer to bring into the booth if they even need a three-man booth. I could see Mike Joy and Gordon. Jeff Gordon being a great duo up there, kind of a, uh, a, a a really good team and with their pit reporters and if they bring back Larry Mack and just it's just good it 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 has some good pieces there. Yeah. So it's it's not it it, it can be fixed. Uh, I don't don't want to make it sound like Daryl Waltrip was the problem, but uh, it was just it's time. It was just time. time yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so like it's time to move on to our next part of the news. Correct. <laughs> uh, which, as we know, NASCAR next year is switching over to this like three tiered uh, sponsorship model, which they haven't really uh, given too much info about how it's going to work. Apparently the NCAA does this too. Oh. I am not really up on. Yeah. yeah I'm not them, really so. familiar. Um, but Monster actually offered to be the title sponsor again through 2020, and NASCAR turned them down because they want to roll into this new model like right away. That's an interesting decision from NASCAR, something I would not expect them to do, a turn down money from right. somebody who <laughs> wants to be a title sponsor. Uh, but, but apparently this new model is supposed to bring in new sponsors and different ways for sponsors to get noticed. You know, I, I don't really know uh, much about the ins and outs. We'll of it, see. So. There's certainly 
uh, open to making some changes because uh, let's talk for just a quick moment about the schedule changes. I know everyone's probably heard so much talk about it already because it was such big news, but right. we and haven't if you're had a fan a of the show. You know that I called in to oh, yeah. uh, motor right. mouths and got to voice my opinions on the 2020 season. I, I love how, they kind of have like they know exactly what they're going to talk about. So you you said something about Daytona, yeah. and then you asked a really great poignant question, but then they kind of just glossed it right over to talk about yeah Daytona moving off the Fourth of July, which yeah. I'm there with you. I I'm gonna miss it being on the Fourth of July because my first NASCAR memories are the sun rising, International Speedway Boulevard, parking the car, Volusia Mall with a cooler and our stuff for the race and then walking down tables with t-shirts race fans everywhere like walking through the trailers next to daytona international speedway so and getting ready for a race start at 10 o'clock in the morning so i'm gonna miss that weekend it's iconic to me right but like you had mentioned i think it's a good fit at that part of the schedule yeah, because, I mean, we've even talked about in the past about having Daytona being the season ender. Dale Jr. Uh, agrees with us, too. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I like the idea now that I, it's kind of set in. I like the idea of Daytona being the the bookend for the regular season. It kind of gives a last chance for someone to make the playoffs. It is more like so a wild card Indy, race. You know? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then I guess Indy will probably be a day race on that 4th of July weekend, they don't have lights. So, uh, you know, we'll have a day race at Indy. All right, um, cool. I mean, yeah. not a crown jewel race to me. It's no. just not in the cup series. It's a historic track. I'm sure fantastic for drivers to win there. It means a lot. And if my driver won at Indy, it would mean a lot for me to say that, Hey, they won at Indianapolis. I would love to go to the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. I respect that race course, its history, but it just doesn't mean as much to me seeing cup racing there. I, I'm I, For the longest time, I'm happy that the biggest stock car series in America is racing there, but like, great, you race there, 400-mile race. I, I feel like they should have announced that they're going to be racing the road course there. Yeah, I'm not so crazy about the road course there. I think I, it's a cool I road think, course. I still think that they should run the oval, but it's another track that we've seen. The I think that they should run the... I'm sorry, Dan. I think that I, they should run the road course at Indy, but I also think that they should run the original road course configuration, not what Indy does with their Grand Prix. Indy kind of cuts off the last corner and just comes right at the end of turn four. And NASCAR, I think, because they have the big bodies, they right. can come all the way around that corner and really pick up some speed. Yeah. So I, I, I think that would be cool. I like the doubleheader at Pocono. I think it's yeah. a great idea. I think more doubleheaders are in the future. Maybe that tracks like Dover. Yeah, I think Dover will probably be the next track to get a doubleheader. Yeah. Just because, like they've said, you know, it's probably going to lose. It would probably lose a date, um, you know, with a schedule, like total rechange with a new track coming on, and that would save the date from them. Uh, Pocono, maybe they'll do like twin 250s or something, you know, so you have a combined 500 miles. And all three series are going to be there. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Uh, and what do you think about the location of the championship race changing to Phoenix? I like ISM it. Raceway. Um, you definitely need a warm weather track for the, the championship race, especially if the season is going to end in no, uh, next year, it's going to end a week earlier because of the double header. Um, but if it's going to get moved around to different tracks, you and it, the race and the season's going to end in November. You need a warm weather city to host that championship race. Yeah. You do. You need a warm weather. You need a destination place, which mm -hmm. is to me it was a little, why it's a little strange. Well, for, it's just because the whole revamp that uh, they did at the racetrack and the whole new grandstands. Great. I, and you know, I, I wasn't impressed with the race that they just had there earlier this season. Um, the restarts are going to be wild. Wild restarts. You know, wild. But, yeah. So let's, let's, and let's, is a, a championship race going to have yeah. an extra stage in it now or something? No. But, you know, it's a one-mile track that they say runs like a short track. So, you know, I mean, what I they can the do, have a championship race at Bristol or Martinsville or something, which I think would be they, cool. I think, well, if they're going to move the brace from South Florida, Miami, uh, Florida, which is NASCAR's backyard, mm -hmm. uh, I'd like the idea of going to the, a, a track for the championship that they only see 
in the championship race. It's kind of like yeah. a neutral site. Yeah. Uh, I don't really get it going to Phoenix. Like why that was chosen was it because of weather, their new layout. I don't, I don't get it. Now, if it's going to move again, the next season, then fine. This thing should rotate. Yeah. And then you get into this whole thing of, well, what tracks are going to have what races and when, and is this going to rotate and what tracks will be in the playoffs? Well, if that's if you're going to have that sort of argument, then you're going to get into a lot of what people are talking about when they start talking about the Firecracker 400 race moving from Daytona is that people have traditional vacation plans and things that they've been doing you know, year after year. And right. you get that hotel or you get that space in the race or whatever. And then you get that offer the next year. Uh, and if you really, really want to go to ISM raceway and now it's not going to be the championship race next year. Now it's going to be, you know, race number two of the last segment, uh, whatever. But yeah. I, I just, I, I can't see ISM being the championship facility. I could see Homestead. Yeah, I, I liked the, the final race at Homestead. I, 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 there was just there's just not enough contact really for yeah for race fans to for be the last race. So maybe that's going to be since the agreements run out in 2020. Maybe that'll be something that NASCAR puts into their contracts with these tracks that says like we can pull your date and switch it around with any other track. You know, when we feel like it. You know, year by year, kind of like a flex schedule Sunday night yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah, they they has to be some sort of flexibility in, in there where uh, and maybe not like, hey, we're just going to like change your date randomly because people do need to plan with airlines and, and hotels and all that, uh, because, you know, going to a NASCAR race is, you know, I heard it's equivalent to taking your family to Disneyland, you know, for the whole weekend. It's right. it's crazy yeah. uh, with the airfare and hotels, renting a car and and all that. Right. So. Maybe they just need to do something where, listen, you're not going to maybe we'll they have to decide which tracks will be playoff tracks, but you might get moved around a little bit. Yeah. Maybe those last how, how many races in the, in the playoffs? Ten. Ten. Correct. Ten. Maybe those last 11. That's what I was like. Maybe those last 11 races mm -hmm. that, that maybe you could we'll switch rotate. off like yeah. Daytona and Talladega. Because right. if, if you think Daytona should be in the playoffs or maybe the maybe because you know what a super speedway race should be the championship race one year you know yeah. like if it's Try not it. going to be every year maybe like one year but if it's going to be the championship race then it's not can't be the last race so then you don't want like two super speedway races in the playoffs so maybe talladega moves to like the last race that year and then there's just like small rotations in yeah. the way that the playoff races tracks are set up right uh, i'm also excited about the um the sonoma race that they're going to run the carousel uh i think watkins glen needs to include the boot in the cup race and i think we'll probably see mid ohio or uh uh road, road atlanta in, in 2021 road, road atlanta you do you think road america road america yeah. sorry yes <laughs> i i feel like there might be a a better uh possibility of seeing mid ohio mm. Um, I love Road America. It's probably my favorite circuit in yeah. North America, though. I I love yeah. it fast and yeah. Because I don't think the Roval is gonna let. I think the Roval was something just to keep people happy yeah. until they got until the a new agreements went into place. So I think we'll see one of those two uh, on the schedule. I did the one thing about Sonoma uh, running the carousel is that we're gonna lose that iconic. Over the last bunch of seasons, when those guys come out of that one corner and go over the curbs, yeah, we're not going to have that now this season because instead of coming up and over that curb, they're going to be making a right-hander mm -hmm. and going downhill around the carousel. So that's just, I don't know. To me, when I think of NASCAR yeah. at Sonoma, I think of coming that fast right-hand corner and right. like just missing that wall, yeah, and you know, and coming back on the track. Maybe that's why they. They decided to change it because that turn is get, get, getting getting wider they, they, and wider. It gets wider year. and wider, and I mean, I think they need to do the boot in uh, Watkins, Watkins Glen Glenn. also to keep the guys from running over the edge over there, also because we yeah. have seen probably some of the like hardest wrecks over the last uh, you know recently yeah. because of running over those uh, the edge of the track there. 
All right, let's get to uh, Richmond uh, next weekend, the Toyota Owners 400, and we'll get into our fantasy picks. So for the Toyota Owners 400, uh, our fan tracks league to bring in turn three, who are you going to pick? Who do you, who do you think uh, has the best chance of uh, getting you some points this week? Oh, man. Well, it's a, it always comes down to qualifying position. It always changes up everything. But again, I, I try to, I'll, I'll try to maybe capitalize on a guy that might be able to get a good short track run. So like we saw Chris Busher mm-hmm. finish, uh, you know, top 10. Ty Dillon got the stage win at Bristol. These guys can make up some ground, just like the equalizer of the draft at the super speedways. So I might try to go and, pick one of these guys um like i went with priest you know last week yeah i was hoping to maybe uh with his low value kind of steal away some points there so i'll look like for something uh similar this week uh but then i'll also look for guys like kevin harvick um and because he's been having some struggles with qualifying but of course he's so fast he can maybe get you some points um kurt bush he's been finishing strong every race but he's also been struggling on friday qualifying so i'll probably have my eye out on him also and i i've seen every week i've tried to i've been trying to take one guy that's starting up front and might stay up front maybe like a little less of a gamble so maybe uh i might even look at a guy like kyle bush if he's up front because he's won six times uh at Richmond also he's won a, he's yeah. won at Richmond several times. Yeah, I, I'm looking here. It looks like he's won there like five times in the last ten years. So uh, that's I, that's what I was gonna say. You know, I, I'm assuming he's gonna be up front, probably leading some laps. Um, I would even look, you know, even like the Penske guys. Uh, maybe you know Ryan Blaney. You know, he's won. I mean, he's led the most laps so far this year. Uh, I don't see why he can't do it again uh, this week at Richmond. Uh, Denny Hamlin, I, I think is a guy, I mean, he's a home down guy for there. So I would, I would assume he's, and, he, and he's, he's won at, at Richmond before and he's strong there and you, and you expect him to be strong in his Gibbs card, especially, um, looking at veteran drivers now also, at least if I'm looking yeah. for wins, because, uh, uh, these guys, they seem to just be rolling these younger drivers right now. And it's kind of incredible. We, we all this hype for some of these guys, but now, like I said, we Kyle Busch three wins, Hamlin two, Keselowski two. Uh, the, you could ex- probably expect to see those guys duke it out again uh, on the short track. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I'm also looking forward to. Uh, well, I, I wanted to ask you: Do, do yeah. you have any sort of like tools or pages or things that you go to when you research? Not some. I mean, I just look at the qualifying results. Um, I'll look at some practice uh, results, um, but I usually go back and look to see, like, for that specific race, who who were the most recent winners, um, and that kind of determines who who I'm gonna pick. Because I like with the point differential, I like to pick guys that I know will make up some spots and get me some points. But I also like to have like a high salary driver that I know is going to stay up front through most of the day too. And you also get to click on the live scoring right yeah. right in the beginning of the race and see your team up at the top of the leaderboard, which you don't get to see very often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could get Juju B racing to, to uh, tune, tune into the show and uh, let us know what, what his tactics are yeah. for final race. I, I like the MRN page. They have a fantasy racing preview mm-hmm. that uh, it's, it, it, it's pretty just straightforward with just uh, who's done well in the last few races and it has some quick stats, just something to think about. And I like the racing reference page. It has a fantasy stat that compiles uh, the total amount of points and uh, you can kind of go through it like a grid looking uh, over the last 10 races. Mm-hmm. And between that and some of the, the practice times, I kind of get my, my team right there. And then of course, like I said, like the salaries and qualifying positions always change everything. So for our other game, we have we we pick who's going to have the worst finish in each race. So for uh, Bristol, Matt, you chose Martin Truex Jr. He got you 22 points, and I had Paul <laughs> Menard with 34 <laughs> points. So I needed this one because 
I don't, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but you were taking a little bit of lead in this one. This is <laughs> the only game that you were up for, uh, you were winning. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I kind of closed the gap a little bit with that one, and I was getting a little nervous because I'm like, wow, is this going to be the day that Truex gets that first short track win? Because although he's he's been strong at the short tracks recently, I was just like, nah, I'm like he's just not going to break through today. Uh, and then he was up at the top five at one point, and I was like, no, not today. <laughs> and I'm looking at Menard having some trouble. And then somewhere in this last stage of the race, and everything flipped right there. And uh, man, the, the loose wheels these guys have, you know, throughout the race. Truex had one. He had to come in. He ends up pitting, oh, right before the second stage ended, and he pit into a closed pit lane. <laughs> so he had some trouble there and had to go to the back and then struggled for the rest of the day. He was in traffic but Paul Menard ended up making one he stuck out with the Bush brothers at the end of the race and the gutsy call and ended up getting a good finish which yeah. probably you didn't want to see yeah <laughs> so who are you going to take this week in Richmond for worst finish so the guy for my worst finish I, I he, although he does pretty well at Richmond I, I think his struggles continue this season and I think he's feeling the veteran pressure of a new teammate and I think Kyle Larson is not going to have a good run again. Mm, good choice. I'm going to go with someone. He was our bonehead move of the week pick. I think he might have some more issues going into Richmond, so I'm going to take Eric Almarola. Maybe it gets into his head a little bit after what happened last week. Yeah. And then maybe trying to push it a little too much in Richmond, goes yeah. over the line, hits the wall again, and uh, maybe this time they decide to try to fix the car on pit lane <laughs> with their five minutes or yep. s uh, six minutes, rather. I think that wraps it up for today. Yeah, I that's think. about it. Yeah. I'll be looking forward to Richmond this weekend. Uh, the short tracks are great, and I love watching Richmond. Also, the MotoGP is going to be at the Circuit of the Americas. Uh, that's a Mark Marquez tracks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Formula One with the Chinese Grand Prix. So lots of uh, racing to catch up with this weekend. Yeah. I know my DVR is going to be full. Since we were off for two weeks, we're planning on doing like a short track weeks kind of thing. Um, unfortunately, we'll be back after Talladega. Which is cool. We get to talk yeah. super, super speed. We got the off you... week for Easter and then Talladega, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're going to be a couple weeks. We're, yeah. Because you're going to be in LA next week. That's yeah. I just cool. had like a last minute opportunity to go out, out to LA. Never been there. So experience that for a couple of days. Absolutely. Yeah. I would. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I can't come to LA. I have to do my fantasy racing podcast <laughs> cool things that you know not uncool things to say in new york city yeah <laughs> until uh till we see you again after talladega have a great weekend and enjoy the races yeah check out debris and turn three.com keep up for any uh the race recaps while we're uh, away from the show cool. guys don't forget to like rate review follow all that good stuff and uh be friends of the debris and turn three Fancast. All right, we out.